0: You're listening to the Kenny James Audio Experience, live from Broadcast Center. Here's Kenny James. Hey, I just wanted to tune in before the show starts to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for making us go global. We are now 200 cities and counting. From my heart to yours, thank you. Now, let's get this show started. Let's get motivated. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: may I have your attention,
0: please? This is The Kenny James Show, direct and in full fact. Visit KennyJtoday.com. Hey! Welcome to The Kenny James Show. I hope you're doing well today. But if you're not doing well today, let me tell you, we're about to get you well. We're going to focus on some wellness, motivation, and a little bit of travel. So hold tight. Make sure that you get things together, because my guest today is all of that and then some. First, take a listen. Tai Bouchamp has been driven from an early age, earning her Bachelor's of Arts in English Literature from Spelman College, and starting her editorial career interning at Good Housekeeping and Harper's Bazaar. She quickly rose to the ranks to become beauty editor at Oh! The Oprah Magazine. Seventeen Magazine is where she made history, being the youngest and first African-American beauty and fitness director. Ty is now an entrepreneur, influencer, and TV host. With her brand, Brown Girl Jane, she promotes beauty, health, and vibrant skin. She also influences many around the world to travel, with her show, Lens of Culture, with her co-host, Elton Anderson, only on Cleo TV. With my greatest welcome to the Kenny James Show. Welcome, Ty Bouchon. Welcome to the show, Ty.
2: Oh my God, I'm <laughs> sitting here having a fit. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't expecting that. So I'm like, what is all of this? Amazing. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, look. Like I said, when the queen comes to town, we don't serve paper plates and plastic silverware. We do the fine china. So that's the whole thing. I'm going to tell
2: you, you must have. I hear, I hear grandparents in the mix, Mr. Kenny. That's what I hear. Like <laughs> you, you, you pulling out the fine china. No paper plates, just fabric napkins. I'm here for it. Thank you so much. Of that was course. so lovely.
0: Before we get started, I want to say that we have two things in common. The first thing is we're both Capricorns. I was born on January oh. the 12th. Exactly. I was oh.
2: on the 12th. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay, fellow Capricorn.
0: Also, we both have backgrounds in media. I have a degree in broadcast journalism. I said, look at me and Ty. We got a little something-something going on here. Going
2: on, exactly Exactly. I'm not mad at that. Well, I'm telling you, when you make an intro like that, I think we should have a little pump to something going on. So I'm grateful to be here, Kenny. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs>
0: this person who you are today, how did this happen? Were you always this type of motivational, like just go get it? Hmm.
2: It's so interesting. I think when, you know, I'm still best friends with my childhood best friends and it was interesting to actually hear Yasmin Sampson, who's a principal in Newark, New Jersey. We grew up in the Oranges right outside of Newark. But um, she shared with someone recently, you know, I heard her say, well, time is actually just like this, you know, and she's been my best friend since we were in seventh or eighth grade. So I think I've always been who I am. We all are seated and purposed in being who we are. And then obviously our experiences over time really help cultivate us to shine more in that truth. And I feel really fortunate to say that I think I've always been this person. I grew up with my grandparents and my mother, who both my by my grandparents, I mean, my maternal grandmother, Mary, my paternal grandparents, Sarah and Lee, um, and my mother, Tawanda, who really were just dynamic people and dynamic humans. My father's mother was an evangelist and very active in our community. And so she was very spiritual and God and Christ centered and was the person who did missionary work. And so literally growing up in my father's family's home, we had people who came and lived with us from Africa, from Haiti, from you know, and so I kind of, I think I always, and I never really looked at it that way until much later in life, but that was really the spirit in which I grew up. And my grandma was also very active in community in, in our town. And then on my mother's side of the family, Everyone is educators. Actually, it's so funny. My mother's first cousin just got an award, like, Teacher of the Year or mm. Educator of the Year in the that state that of really New Jersey. My mother, they, yeah, they're, they're amazing people. But I think the sense of community was always there, you know, with my mother being an educator, my stepfather being an educator, my grandmother was a counselor for the state of New Jersey. And those are things that they did professionally, but I shine a light on that because I think that in their cases, what they did professionally was also how they lived daily and in life and in real life. And, you know, always very active about being philanthropic in our own ways. And I always say that black people have always been the most philanthropic. There was just no name for it. I mean, it was nothing for to have a mother in a neighborhood or a grandmother in a neighborhood who babysat everyone's child or who cooked and took it down the street to the people who were in need. Philanthropy is really a part of who we are. Um, We didn't have terms like empowerment and inspiration to draw on because it was just everyday life because we needed to be communal. So I think ultimately church leaders and community leaders and being educational leaders, and that that was always a part of my ethos and and who I was meant to be. And Mm -hmm. um, I certainly think that the seeds that they planted were watered by my experiences.
0: That kind of leads me into you finding your passion and living in your truth. Having that as something that uh, you saw and you were able to grow up with an experience that I think is really important. So with that being said, what point was that when you said, mm-hmm. you know what, I think I'm going to go and do X, Y, and Z to start out my career?
2: Hmm. First, let me say this. I think passions will evolve and change. Mm-hmm. And passions there, I say, are fleeting. Because what you're passionate about today may not be the same thing you're passionate about five years, three years, 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Purpose, on the other hand, I think is truly the long term driving force that allows you to then tap into passions, to tap into skill sets, to tap into talents that can ultimately drive and fuel how you fulfill your purpose here on earth. You know, there was a time in my life when I was very passionate about fashion. I'm less passionate about fashion now. I'm less passionate even about the aesthetics of beauty. I'm more passionate about identity. And so Mm -hmm. um, that is directly connected to, I think, what my purpose is. And I say my purpose is to enlighten, empower, and inspire women around the world and people in general. But, you know, obviously being the product of Spelman College and going to my all-girls high school St. Vincent Academy and being raised by women, I am truly a girl's girl yeah. um and a guy's girl too. But truly to a girl's girl <laughs> in that sense. Because uh, I'm thinking about all my friends. Like they, they, they say that you're cool with guys too. Yeah, you are. Uh, I mean, hey, I think, look,
0: I, I'm probably your biggest uh, promoter and supporter over here, and you didn't oh, even know well, it.
2: Thank you. <laughs> so grateful. But you know, I'm a, I'm a champion of people. Is what it comes down to. There was a time when I was very passionate about fashion. I modeled as a child or as a teenager. I should say. And um, I, I loved fashion. It's not what I'm passionate about as much right now. But I think at the time when I went into magazine publishing, actually, what ultimately led to my setup was a step back Mm. I was about to fail out of biology at Spelman College and, you know, obviously being, being the, the, you know, chief, motivating, wanting to excel at everything and had, and in high school had nothing but A's and a couple of B's and National Honor Society. I was like, oh my God, what does a D or an F look like? <laughs> I was like, mm, I might need to make an exit out of this uh this doctor path that I thought I was on. Um, it was a conversation with my mentor, Ray Chambers, who actually said, well, we know you love writing. We know that you love fashion. Have you ever thought about being a fashion writer? And I was like, "Um, actually, no, which was crazy. I modeled. I literally had every Harper's Bazaar, every Essence cover, every Vogue on my wall, mm-hmm. like literally created collages, but never thought or saw myself doing that because I come from a family of educators. I'm a, you know, brown girl from Newark, New Jersey, where if that's the story of anybody who's like really looking to move, you, you know what you see. And so during my era, which is very different now, it was doctor, lawyer, teacher. And I kid you not, when I started working at Oprah magazine, three and a half, four weeks after graduating, my grandmother still was like, you know, Columbia College, university is right up the street from on Broadway. Are you thinking about going to get your master's degree? And I was like, sis, no, I'm not. But But, you know, so that was what fueled it. I I think I was able to fortunately think about the things that I cared about and was able to, as I said, very fortunately – Uh, land a job like that. But it was at Oprah, quite frankly, that I realized that while I was passionate about storytelling and good at storytelling and passionate about fashion and identity and aesthetic, the the purpose is what spoke to me. Because I say to people, Mm. had I started my career at Vogue or opposed to Oprah magazine, my approach to beauty and fashion and lifestyle would be very different, right? It was Mm. about empowerment. So that seeded within me and really kind of helped extract what I felt purposed to do. And that is to empower and inspire women.
0: You know, I posted today about having the instinct, right? Because the reason when I started radio a long time ago, I had to finish an elective course and I had to take this literal radio class. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. But then when I started it, mm. it was like, I couldn't explain it, but my instincts were telling me that this is what you're supposed to do. And, you know, mm. I want to say thank you to everyone who's listening again, because today our show is being streamed and downloaded in 150 cities worldwide. We are on wow. every single continent. I think people who are listening, I think people like you, Ty, who come on the show to support and really push our message of motivation and inspiration.
2: But, you know, I want to, Kenny, I want to stay there for a minute there, because I think that you just said something really important. It was something that you weren't necessarily looking to do and didn't know that that would be a part of your calling part of the opportunity that I think we have now as we shift our mindsets and shift our approaches is that we're constantly thinking about what we have to lean into. Mm -hmm. But think if we reshape that and reframe that question, think about the things and the people and the opportunities that are leaning into you. Mm -hmm. And, those things that lean into you might be the calling card and the pull, right? That pulls yeah. in. I, I was actually talking about this with Belisha Butterfield-Jones last week, and we're doing a part two on, on her masterclass this Friday about mastering the pivot. Mm. And I say a pivot is not just as much about you being so hard and so intentional about like, oh, I got to make this hard right turn or this hard left turn, as much as it is about understanding what's pulling you. Yeah. Sometimes we need to pu- pivot into what's pulling us. And so, I think your point about how we think about motivation, Mm -hmm. how we think about being empowered, and we always, I think we contextualize it in this day and age as something that we have to be so maverick and so pronounced in doing. Yeah. Sometimes it comes to you. Sometimes you might need to lean into the thing that's leaning into you. And who knows what that opportunity or that blessing or that light bulb moment or that reinvigorated mindset can do for something that you didn't even think was there for you. Yeah. So um, I think that that's powerful.
0: It's not always just about building the brand, but building the business behind it. I want to talk a little bit about Brown Girl Jane. To mm-hmm. me, growing up and going to school in California is one thing, but living in the Bay Area and seeing a lot of entrepreneurs who don't necessarily look like you, how did Brown Girl Jane come about? Oh,
2: wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. And being an entrepreneur, I been an entrepreneur now for 14 years and this is my first foray into a Mm product-based business which is really really exciting for me and actually something that I saw for myself probably 10 years ago but just didn't know how and where it would happen so I think going back to that point about leaning into what leans into you um, and obviously doing so with purpose and being purpose-led really speaks a lot to even how I became involved um, and joined Brown Girl Jane. So, uh, Brown Girl Jane is a luxury wellness and CBD collection founded by three Black women, two biological sisters, Malika Jones and Mia Jones. They are also my Spellman sisters, mm. and Malika um, is the brain trust. Brown Girl Jane is the brain child of Malika. After she had a challenging situation, after giving birth to her last child and having an epidural. And she started using CBD as a way to manage pain and also to heal her body. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was about five years ago. Became a huge fan and an evangelist for the plant. Yeah. Um, she introduced it to Nia and then obviously started to share it with sister networks like myself. I yeah. had been exposed to CBD and cannabis um, as a whole, obviously spending time here in L.A. Cannabis is such a part of the lifestyle here. Yeah. Um, but I was also fascinated about CBD probably as early as like six years ago. And actually about three and a half years ago, I was planning to, along with my and boyfriend and partner, to invest in a CBD company. So this is the other thing about that poll that I'm just saying just to kind of create context there. But Malaika, you know, came up with this concept and wanted to make CBD wellness and wholeness, what we like to call is like supporting our wholeness journey, accessible to women of color because we recognize that there's a stigma around CBD and cannabis because there's a lack of education and obviously the stigma is well earned right yes. the stigma is well earned because we know about the overcriminalization of our people and in our community around CBD so that all mm-hmm. makes sense we certainly understand like just say no to drugs and also just for me being in my 40s you know, while my mother's generation, you know, may have enjoyed refa I was of the generation, like, just <laughs> say no to everything. I knew nothing about it. And I did stay away from it. I literally didn't have any experience with the plant until I want to say my, well, I probably experienced it once in my late, late 20s. And then I didn't start to experience it later until my late 30s. Uh-huh. I was really, really, really late. So I wasn't one of those people that experimented. But when I learned about the efficacy, the impact, the the way it can support us to feel more whole as women of color, women of color who are all things to all people and obviously our collection is available to everyone, mm-hmm. uh, but from a brand narrative and brand ethos standpoint, recognizing how black women and women of color are all things to all people. We have the highest levels of hypertension, highest levels of anxiety, undiagnosed mental health issues and challenges. Like So the collection is really there to support that and then obviously building upon that and recognizing the bond that Malika Mia and I I have as sisters creating a community that is centered in sisterhood and tribe. And so uh, we launched officially this year. I joined the company officially in, in April, even though I started working with them back in December when the company soft launched and we are growing rapidly. And I think the reason why we're growing rapidly is not only because our brand is highly efficacious. We are produced at the highest level. We work with the best cultivation, we work with the best farmers, we work with the best manufacturers, but we also are very intent around helping our community to understand what this product can do for his or her life. And particularly, like, I'm super excited because we have a beauty product, our glow serum, luminous Mm -hmm. facial serum is topical, and so it keeps me poreless at 42, proudly (laughs) poreless. Proudly, poorly. Hey, um, I didn't say poor, I said poor less. Um, that right. It's let's also, that right. Let's be clear, because absolutely, that's the other thing, though, too. I think, as an example of entrepreneurship, what we endeavor to do as three women founders is to open up the industry in the space to other people to recognize that there's opportunity for us here in this space and beyond. And to that end, we just announced a partnership last week with Shea Moisture. They're powering our brown girl swap. Congratulations. We're now. over. Thank you. It's amazing. We're, uh, we have one that we created for $250,000 that will um, go and support black women entrepreneurs in the beauty and wellness space. Those entrepreneurs who receive that funding, 10 of whom will receive $20,000 in funding, um, will also be able to be mentored and um, coached by executives at, at Shea Moisture and Unilever. We're doing a summit, a Black to Business Beauty and Wellness Summit for people who are interested in joining the community in this space and being entrepreneurs on September 17th and 18th. We're doing an internship program with Black uh, college students that will be able to intern at Shane Moisture and Unilever and who knows possibly Brown Girl Jane. So our company as a whole is about wellness and wholeness, and then obviously being a resource and a support system as sisters to the larger community so that way we can all thrive.
0: You got me over here just <laughs> like, oh my God.
2: Like, yeah, know, I am
0: so <laughs> proud and I'm so happy to hear that because once again, this is important for people to see and important for people to hear, especially people of color. And that takes me to my next mm-hmm. question, really about focusing on health and wellness. Before I started doing what I do now, I used to lead health and Wellness at the city and county of San Francisco. And I focused on a lot of physical, emotional and financial wellness because to me, those three things go hand in hand. But you started your fitness journey by doing something very unique, uh, which was stopping drinking. And you went to a a nutritionist. Okay, because sister, I was listening to you yesterday.
2: You listened. You were in it. I was I love in it, it to win it. The
0: journalism is fully embedded in my body. So.
2: I see. I love it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate it.
0: Tell us a little bit about that journey, though.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I was always an athlete. So I was an all-state basketball player when I was in college, which was many, many moves ago. Mm-hmm. And I was great. And I've always loved, I was always competitive. Um, I think I have a competitive the supportive personality. But I had gotten to a place, I was having some changes in my life, both commercially and professionally and personally. I was drinking a lot more and spending a lot more time, just, I don't want to say self-loathing because it wasn't that, but just eating because Mm -hmm. of the the stress that happens. And, you know, that's what happens in life. I, I think that's the other thing that's really important as we think about our journey to wholeness. You can't mitigate life experiences. You cannot mitigate or say that you're or, or not embrace the humanity of life experiences, right? And mm-hmm. so it's human for us to feel stressed. How do we cope with it yeah. is the thing. And so when I realized that my coping mechanism was maybe, you know, three too many glasses of champagne or three <laughs> too many glasses of that <laughs> and up Pop or what have you, mm-hmm. um, I was like I have to do some reset when I realized that that meant that I was staying up later and not sleeping. And so I was very intentional. I stopped drinking I went to saw a nutritionist who had gotten some amazing results for friends, learned to understand my body. That was the other thing. It's like, you know, what worked for me when I was in my early 20s? If I wanted to lose five pounds, I promise you, Penny, I legitimately could not eat for a day and a half. And I'd be like, "Oops, snatch. <laughs> Guess, guess who can't do that anymore guess, guess who cannot skip a meal and expect to be snatched like to look weight gone
0: you and me both
2: right you get it it's different <laughs> and so I said to myself I was looking at my body and I was like and also I wasn't feeling great that is the other thing you're like while, while what we look in the mirror and see we can we're, you know there's a visceral reaction to it because it's right there in front of you know that when you look at yourself on the outside whatever you see on the outside is only a manifest a station of something that you have not been willing to or challenge yourself to address, not on the inside. Mm-hmm. I promise you that. I promise you that because, and I am definitely a kingdom builder um, in my mm-hmm. own way. Not past, not a pastor, but perhaps in some ways pastoral. I am a big believer that, you know, if you know that you are a manifestation of God and who God is, you know, called you to be here on earth, there's work that we have to do on the inside in order to manifest what needs to happen on the outside, but it's already within us. So I had to have a hard conversation with myself because when I looked at myself on the outside and I saw I had put on this weight, when I saw that I was drinking too much, I was like, okay, And then what's happening, lady. And I had to challenge myself there. But moving to LA really supported, I think, my overall wholeness and wellness journey. And obviously joining a company like Brown Girl Jane, I had to remove some of the toxic kind of experiences. And I realized being a single woman um, without children, that's a luxury that's afforded to me. Right. I didn't have to move my family. But I did say to my mother while my grandmother was still alive, I was like, I'm moving to L.A. She's like, well, I thought you were going to wait. I was like, no, I'm gone. So ask yourself, what are those toxic things around you that aren't serving you? And we have to be willing to do some radical You know, make some radical changes that are going to be uncomfortable for us and probably more uncomfortable for the people that are around us. Mm. But you got to be bad about it and be clear about it. Like, I'm going to do this because this is what is going to work for me. And so I'm feeling healthier now and I have some real goals and they're not aesthetic. I say to people, I want to feel 20 years younger than I am mm-hmm. and I want to look 10 to 15 years younger than I am. And so if I'm checking those boxes, this is doing all right.
0: Hey, look, I hear you. Look, this was so, <laughs> this was like uh, deja vu for me because what you just said about checking out the stuff that's not serving you anymore, literally, Ty Lepley, I'm not sure if you know who that is, actor Ty Lepley, when I had him on the show, he said the exact same thing, getting rid yeah. of the things that are no longer serving you. You have to take a hard look at that. And that's definitely something that's extremely important. Important. You talked about dairy products too. You talked about getting rid of. Oh
2: yeah, I just know for real, Kenny. Though, and it's so antithetical to what we're taught growing up. You know, I don't know. I remember the pyramid the food pyramid that we're talking you're taught that you need dairy and you need this for your bones and i think that dairy is definitely necessary for younger kids and babies and Mm -hmm. obviously the idea is that you would get it from your mother's milk and not from animals that are not necessarily treated in the best fashion in order to produce all of it when i tell you especially for black and brown people i challenge you to go not eating dairy for just two weeks just two weeks go not eating dairy and see if you feel differently. Mm. Uh, It makes the world a difference and there are just so many substitutes out here and I'm not saying like, you know, the other thing is like everyone can't be radical. I was a vegan, I was vegan adjacent for about two and a half years which meant I would have my burger when I wanted it. If I wanted sushi I would have it and not Mm -hmm. regularly but like once every like two to three weeks or once like once a week. I didn't really count and keep tabs but since February of 2020 I have been a devout vegan Mm which is why also I feel like I'm less bloated. A lot of the food that we take in, we're not able to digest and break down properly because we are not clear about what's happening with our metabolism. Mm. We don't know what blood type we have and how our blood is going to really react to that, how the rest of our body is metabolizing that. So it really is comprehensive. But what I say to people, because I recognize, again, I've been really blessed. I was fortunate to be able to do these things. Because I don't have a family yet and don't have, you know, the need to actually focus all of that energy and attention there where I was able to just be like, I'm going to the nutritionist. Nope, I'm not buying that. Nope, I don't, you know, which is different. But there are ways for everyone to take small steps. And the first step I say is making a decision that you don't want to continue to operate the way that you are. And that's it. And then commit to it. Yeah. they're baby
0: stuff. You know, I'm actually, after this show, I'm actually going to my personal trainer. But there's things that I want to change. You look fit. Yeah, I am fit, but you know, there there are things that I want to change. and There's goals that I want to reach and I want to hit. And so for me, I needed to have someone that specializes in that. Speaking of whipping things into shape, though, I want to talk about Lens of Culture. So ah, this show. Thank you.
2: I miss him so much. I miss Elton so much. He's in Bali right now. Is
0: he really? But I
2: miss him so much. Wait a minute. I'm trying to think. I think he been in Bali since March because I actually was at one point I was thinking about going to meet him for a minute before I joined Brown Girl Chain officially, <laughs> I was like, I think we're going to work from Bali for yeah. a bit. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been there. He's been there since March, and I totally miss my um,
0: my travel
2: husband and love Elton Anderson. So shout out to Elton. But yeah, Lens of Culture is amazing.
0: What it's really here to teach us, I think, is really important.
2: Yeah. So Lens of Culture, though um, so concept, and I'm, I'm not sure when and if it's coming back um, because of everything that happened with COVID. But hopefully, it will be reinstated at some point but the whole concept was just recognizing that black millennials are traveling more than ever and there wasn't a platform that truly spoke to them that um explored travel through their lens now obviously there are a lot of amazing travel bloggers and travel content like we love travel noir i love catch me if you can there are so many incredible people who travel elton anderson who was doing that um who was traveling quite a bit just on his own as a photographer. So the idea was like, you know, what are the stories that we want to see? Where are the places that we want to go? How do we do it from a cultural perspective, but still have that that moment to kind of turn up as well? Mm-hmm. Um, and the response has been really, really great to Lens of Culture. Fortunately, Clio being a new network devoted to millennials, it still is running. And I think we were the first show of our kind to actually have two black hosts of a, tra- of a travel show that actually did also global travel. So it, it, it was a really, really fun experience. I will say that when you're traveling for work that extensively, um, it is a lot of fun. But I tell people we had fun while shooting, but it is also work Um, Let's and I just feel that. really incredibly, yes, be clear, be very, very clear. But I feel incredibly <laughs> unfortunate to have had that opportunity to actually work with them.
0: I know that you and Elton are two different type of travelers. I know that you are more the luxury type and he's more the adventurous. I'm more of a 50, 50, but where is the most interesting place that you've been on the show that you like
2: Ooh, the most? Oh, that's a good question. What type of, so I, I you know, it's interesting. Elton kind of converted me in some way to um, an adventure traveler um, and I, <laughs> (laughs) I think think that's the other thing. When you travel with the right person, I think you open yourself up to having a different type of experience. Mm -hmm. So I do think that, you know, there are amazing possibilities with that. And I went parasailing Paragliding. I went paragliding. I thought I was going parasailing, and then I got there, and then we're driving up the mountain, and I'm like, "Ooh!" I didn't know we were going up the mountain, and I'm jumping off a cliff. Um, that was we did that. We did that in, in Malibu in uh, Los Angeles, and I really did think it was parasailing. I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that over the water." And then we started driving. I said, like, "I thought you guys." Said I literally had my mm-hmm. stylist that morning. I was like, "I don't want to be on camera in my full swimsuit. Like, mm-hmm. I want a bottom on." And she kept saying, "You don't need a swimsuit." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> Like, this was a legit. I was like, so I'm going over the water and I don't need a sunset. I was like, oh, thanks. And legitimately, when we got there and we started going up that hill, I said, this is not going towards the ocean, brother. Like, what is happening? Right. And everyone was literally screaming.
1: Uh.
2: Travel is meant to open your lens, it's really to give you the opportunity to have greater perspective. Yeah. And so when you when you travel and you stay at the resort the other time, I say to people, shame on you. But I also believe that black millennials don't do that. Millennials of color are more apt to want to kind of find what that local shop is and what they're creating and. What exactly, and to explore. So it's been really, really fun. And I would probably say the most incredible experience that I had shooting Lens of Culture was definitely the time in Ghana. We shot three episodes in Ghana. We went to Cape Coast, we went to Accra, and then we also spent time in, in the Volta region uh, near Akwamu.
0: I want to know, what type of advice would you give to people who are looking to step out on their dreams and, and live their truth?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I think the the first thing is, and we touched on this earlier, I think get get really clear about why God, the creator, the universe, whomever you speak to has you here. Um, And that requires a lot of work. But what I believe is that we all have a calling. And again, for me, I say to people like, my calling is to empower people. Mm -hmm. I can empower people on TV, but I would be fulfilling my purpose if I were empowering kids in the classroom, right? And so again, understanding the difference between these passion points because passion is not always going to pay the bills let's be clear but when you're purpose aligned what i think god does is he really pulls you um and affords the opportunity for you to be able to lean into what is leaning into you in order for you to really fulfill what you're called to do here on earth so I ask people all the time, and I'm sure you get the same thing, Kenny, like with an illustrious career such as yourself, you meet young journalists who are like, how do I do this? How do I do this? Well, why do you want to do that is why I ask. And what does that mean for you? And I think it's it's so easy in this day and age to look on social media and say to be, quote unquote, inspired by someone and then think that their journey needs to be be your journey. Your journey is always going to be uniquely your journey. So it's important to take inspiration and be motivated in order for you to chart your own path. And so I say get clear about your purpose, get clear about your skills, your talents your gifts, the things that you're innately blessed with, and then be strategic and thoughtful about how you can marry those things and how you can bring all of those together. And then in doing so also recognize that there are different seasons in this. And so, you know, we have ideas about where we want to be 20 years from now. And that's a beautiful thing, but think about how, where you are today, how that can impact where you're going to be in three years, where you're going to be in two years. And then, lastly, what I say is surround yourself with people that believe in your vision, not because they're doing what you want to do, mm-hmm. but because they believe in your vision and they're willing to help support you on your journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ty, thank you so much for coming on the
2: show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so you. much.
0: Hey, yo, that will conclude the show for today. But remember, if you like this podcast, y'all please share it with your friends. Also like, and subscribe. There's a lot more where that came from that will be coming this way. Trust and believe like, and subscribe. Follow me on social media. You can catch me on Instagram at sir. Kenny J that's S I R K E N N Y J as in Jack. Hit me up on my website. That's kennyjtoday.com. until later y'all peace.